Welcome to episode 41 of 1530. Today we want to talk about the U.S. Open. Finals have been done here for a couple weeks now. As we know, Novak Djokovic was not able to win the calendar slam. It would have been pretty impressive being the, what is it, third man, first since Rod Laver in the 60s to have done that, and that was not the case. Djokovic was not able to bring it home. So we'll talk about really the numbers behind that match, how Medvedev was able to overcome Djokovic, exercise his demons, win his first Grand Slam, pretty amazing, um, and what that means kind of going forward for the rest of the tennis uh, year and then going into next year with with the favorites and the young guns and and Djokovic and Federer and Nadal as well. But I'm sure there's lots to talk about. It was an exciting U.S. Open, especially with history being on the line. And then despite Federer and Nadal's absence, there was still some excellent tennis played. And the next generation, you know, they can be proud. Even the women's side was pretty exciting. You had a qualifier, make the final, and actually win it. Um, two teenagers being in the final. So I think both sides were captivating for for audiences everywhere watching it. Welcome to 1530. Now introducing your hosts. Ben and Matt. First, we'll start off with the stat of the day. Matt, what do you got for us? All right. We've got three numbers, 13, 8, and 0. So in the last 13 years, there have been eight U.S. Open champs and not a single title defended. So no repeat winners in those last decade and almost a half. So that U.S. Open ends up being... um, uh, much more uh, interesting <laughs> if you're not a big three fan. Much more interesting. So, right, yeah, I think it's kind of almost a wide open one. I mean, what are those? What are those eight guys? So you have a few of them that maybe were surprises to win. Certainly, Del Potro, Chilich fit Chilich. that. Stan Wawrinka a little bit. I mean, he'd already won some slams by that point, but uh, Murray won his first slam there. Of course, Nadal finally won it. That was his last slam to win, I think, right? It was U.S. Um, and then now we have team last year and Medvedev this year with, of course, Djokovic. And uh, we already mentioned Nadal. So those are the eight players, I think, right? Federer hasn't won one since he won the five in a row. He was yep. the last person to defend the title. Like you mentioned, no one's been able to defend it since. So, uh, And why is it, Matt? Why does the U.S. Open seem like it's so much more wide open? It's you know, yeah, Australian opens hard court as well, and that one doesn't seem to be as wide open. Yep, I think uh, it's the end of the season. You saw Rafa and Fed weren't even able to play. I think, obviously, Fed's was more serious, but, I mean, they were injured. <clears throat> you had a couple other people out because of injury, and, I mean, you could tell Joke, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but Joke seemed especially tired at the end of this year run of winning. I think it's just uh, fatigue. I think there's a lot of difficulty. You've got, you know, the people that have had a stranglehold on the game are certainly older, so as fit as they are, and as as well as Joke does at finding another gear and another gear and another gear after that, um, you know, you finally hit a point where it's just physical limits. And so I think that's what you're seeing, and I think these young guns maybe have a little more energy maybe aren't making it as far as regularly as the big three have been. And so, you know, they're not playing as much tennis. So maybe that helps in the long run, but yeah, I think they're just worn out by the end of it. Yeah. Aussie opens at the beginning of the year. So you have all these, you know, a few months off, you've got the ATP finals, but that's not. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And a, a great case in point would be Federer himself, right? He's won a couple Australian Opens, 2017 and 2018. But like we said, he hasn't won a U.S. Open since 2008. I think for Federer, he's literally, if he's if he plays in the U.S. Open the past at least five, six, you know, whatever years, he's been limping there. Like he's mm-hmm. not moving very well at all. Sometimes he's beaten by the better player, sure. Del Potro a couple times, actually. But like I said, physically, a lot of like these guys aren't here. Djokovic seems to more be, you know, some of it's some of it's physical, some of it's mental fatigue. I feel like Nadal actually played last several years have played pretty well in New York, but even then, you know, some of the matches have been taking its toll on him too. But yeah, I think you're definitely right about the fatigue aspect. The other X factor I want to throw in there is the crowd. I think the mm-hmm. New York crowd is especially, you know, what's the word? You know, boisterous or rambunctious. They're they can get especially True. aggressive, especially when they find people that they like to support. So we saw that with Del Potro when he kind of had his dream run to the final and beat Federer. He had the crowd support. I mean, I, I always remember the image of him high-fiving the fan on the front row, right, as he hit hit a screaming winner up the line on Federer. And he really just had the crowd. You know, they loved him. They loved Federer, too. He's gone for six in a row, history. But I think they loved the young guy that was hitting, you know, 100 mile 100 mile an hour forehands down the line. And I kind of felt that way this year with, you know, Fernandez and Radascu on the women's side, but also Medvedev, right? Remember two years ago and the crowd was kind of hating on him for a little bit. And then he's like, was taking all that negative energy. He's like, you guys make me play better. And then by the end in the final against Rafa, when he recovered from two sets to love and made it a five setter, the crowd was absolutely loving Medvedev, you know? So I think last year was kind of weird with no crowd. It was team and Zverev playing in a pretty empty stadium, but I think this year the crowd was a factor. They really showed up for Novak. And I think they honestly might have helped him despite his, you know, fatigue throughout. He kept dropping the first set in what it was, what was it, almost all of his matches, except for the first one. Yep. Incredible that he was able to even rally back. You know, Bertini had him on the ropes for a little bit. Zverev certainly gave him a hard five setter. And Medvedev, he just couldn't handle Medvedev. But the crowd was really kind of on Novak's side a little bit. It was kind of interesting to see. Um, at least in the last match they were on his side, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a weird time. Hard, being hard court's helpful. I think the grass and the clay are difficult, more difficult for the young guys, especially grass. They just don't play on it very much, yeah. but people can get comfortable. They can make a run. And with some of these, you know, big three guys being injured or just not showing up, there's more room in the draw to move around. So I think we see that with people making surprise runs. So pretty exciting. But, yeah, as far as Djokovic, you know, goes, I guess we were both correct, right? We both predicted he wouldn't win. I didn't actually <laughs> think he'd make the final, but, you know, yeah. he uh, he certainly played amazing to get there. You actually called him out. I think you were the one that said Medvedev. I was saying Zverev, but there were two of Djokovic's hardest opponents. But why why Medvedev? Why did you pick him then, and why did he why did he win, you know? How, <laughs> how was he able to beat Djokovic? It seems like a pretty hard task even when he's tired i feel like joke always finds a way to elevate his game yeah i think uh i think i don't know i think part of it is djokovic finally just hit a point where he was exhausted i mean we saw it in the olympics right he got yeah he got taken out of even the bronze match because he was obviously dying obviously hurting and so i think it just caught up to him again you mentioned he's playing from behind in almost every single match. And um, you can only do that so long. Medvedev was playing super clean 
I mean, all props to him. I'm not taking anything away. I think for whatever reason, Medvedev, you know, obviously he loves the hard court, and I think he plays especially well at the at the U.S. Open. Um, he was there about two years ago. Oh yeah, against Rafa, mm-hmm. and um, just always really shows out in New York for some reason. And so, yeah, he was playing well. It, the other thing is that I thought was interesting, and it makes sense. I mean, Djokovic was, you know, one one tournament away from getting the the Golden Slam or the I guess not Golden the Year Slam, the Grand mm-hmm. Slam. Um, and so, obviously, a lot of the focus was on that side of the draw. I feel like there was very little talk about Medvedev on the other side. And so, I don't know. I think that may have helped a little bit. Just he was just kind of doing his thing, winning his matches. He got up to the he got up to the finals and just kept his head down and, and played. He played well, played hard, and played to his strengths. So his serve was was hitting well, and he did well in converting break points. Yeah, that's so. that's kind of what I, you know, with you there. I think his variety um, suits really well to the hard court. He's he's able to find ways to win and sometimes weird, win in weird ways, right? Sometimes I feel like he hits the forehand up the line. He's not going for a winner. He kind of has a little bit of an odd style sometimes. He can hit mm-hmm. a lot of crazy winners off the backhand, almost Djokovic-like, you know, and that's what some of the commentators are saying. You could see the mirror image of each other. But Medvedev almost has more variety, and he serves bigger. And you saw that with 16 aces to Djokovic's six. And that 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 day, especially to start, he was just on fire, hitting a lot of unreturnable serves, a lot of aces. Djokovic not quite mentally dialed in at the start, which, to your point, right, you said pretty much every match he hasn't been dialed in at the start. Mm-hmm. He's had to work his way back. But I feel like Djokovic is almost better that way, you know, when he's mm-hmm. like a wounded animal, not playing as well, and has to work his way back into it. And like the Tsitsipas Franchova match, like he, he had no business winning that, you know, from for most of us, if you're down two sets to love in a final, but he finds a way and he's almost better that way. But Medvedev was able to, you know, like you said, put his head down, focus on his service games. And Djokovic didn't break him until pretty much garbage time when he's down double break in the third set and there was the nerves and the crowd. So like I said, credit to Medvedev. You know, he was just playing such lights out. I think they were even saying he was there at the stadium early practicing, you know, very specific patterns that he knew Novak was going to use on him. So the guy was had a, had a game plan, and he was willing to execute it, and he worked hard, and it paid off. So good for him. But, you know, one thing that I thought was maybe going to bite him was, you know, him and Rafa, they're big into, you know, returning really, really deep far back. Novak really took advantage. He went to net, like, what was it, like almost 50 times and won, you know, 66% of those points. But it just wasn't quite enough to hurt him because Medvedev was holding serve, right? So even though Djokovic was able to kind of control on his his service games mostly, right? I mean, it was a break net per set, 6-4, 6-4, 6-4. You know, Djokovic wasn't quite able to do enough, you know, even going to the net against Medvedev. So Medvedev was able to kind of play a good cat and mouse game with Novak. And the guy can do a little bit of everything. You know, he can move being 6'6". He can serve big. He can go to net when he wants to. He's not doesn't love to be there, but he, he will do it if he has to. But, yeah, just a very complete player. I think when we see him beat Novak, he's beaten Novak before in straights. I don't mm-hmm. think in a slam before, but it's, it's a match like this where it's a tight. Both guys are serving pretty well, but Medvedev just has a little bit better of a serve, right? A little bit better of a game on his service game. So uh, I, th- I think we saw that again on – 
on Sunday during the final that yeah, Medvedev's just a little bit more solid when he plays his best, and Novak's not, you know, mentally fully there. So, had he been fully mentally there and physically there, maybe maybe this would be a five setter. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's the question, right? If this is the Australian Open when they have a couple months off, is this result different? Probably, probably, and that's. And that's to your point, right? Why why has no one else been able to win the Australian? It's always Djokovic, you know, throwing Federer a little bit there. Stan Wawrinka's won a couple times. But really, that's pretty much Djokovic's tournament. Why? Because it's the freshest, right? The young guns, you know, haven't been able to pull that off. So I think, just like you were saying, U.S. Open's the best chance. So so what do you think, Matt? Is this the end of an era? Medvedev's first title? Are we going to only see the, the new guys winning titles from here on out? <laughs> How we talk about this at the end of every year. I, yeah. You know, it'll be interesting. I think that you'll see the big three kind of become specialists in specific. And you've seen that already, right? I mean, yeah. Rafa obviously comfortable on clay. Fed, if he's going to win another one, it's going to be on grass, I think. And um, and joking at, in Australia is, is a hard thing to overcome. And so... You know, I think, but even then, you look at the French Open this year, and there was a lot of challengers. You went into that tournament thinking, okay, this feels different than every other year. It, just, it, it did. Yeah, I felt you know, more CC so, through Glove. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, that, and that's the other thing, right? I mean, yeah, Wimbledon, by all means, should not have been a Djokovic win, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that they're still in it. I think they're always going to, you know, as long as they're playing, they're, they deserve at least some percentage of having a chance to win <laughs> just yeah. because of who they are and, and how well they've, they've crafted their game. Um, but I think moving forward, you know, injuries are starting to catch up. And length of these of the season is starting to catch up. And so... I think you'll finally start to see, and we're finally starting to see this shift. And I'm okay. I'm here for it, right? It's nice to see some new blood. And and like you said, it's it's still high quality tennis. It's still good tennis. It may be a little bit different style than you know you're used to. Yeah. Few people, few players can play with the elegance that that Fed does, but um, it's fun to see. No, it. Yeah, no doubt. I I agree with those points. You know, it makes me think, you know, back in 2014, we mentioned Chilich winning the U.S. Open. That year, actually, there were four different slam winners that year. And then you thought, okay, is this a new era? Are the big four, you know, are they lessening? And to most, you know, as we all know, not really, right? What, what happened was Djokovic won, what was it, two or three slams that next year mm. yeah. in, uh, in 2015, right? So it's like, you know, you kind of had a pause, you hit a pause button, you know, one person had each slam in 14, but 15, kind of back to the old pecking order, right, with the dominance. So I don't honestly know what's going to happen, but one thing I do know is Djokovic, you know, he won three majors this year, right? So clearly still at his powers, but you could tell the way he was talking at the end. He's like, I need to spend more time with my family. You know, yeah. he pulled out of Indian Wells, which is rescheduled to, you know, in October in a couple weeks. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think we could see him more like Federer maybe, you know, he's in his, his mid thirties. I think we could see him not go into every tournament 
yeah. um, do less and less tournaments. Like I said, I still think for right now, especially just you know coming off three victories, almost four, you know, he's still going to be a favorite at least at Wimbledon. If you know him and Federer are always going to be Wimbledon competitors, Australia for sure. Beyond that, I don't know. You know, he did just win the French, but you know, like you're saying, maybe maybe Joe gets one or two majors a year instead of three <laughs> or two. You know, maybe it's one and some of the you know the young guns get the U.S. Open. I would bet most. I would bet some good money that the U.S. Open has a different winner next year, just based on our track record. But mm-hmm. never know. Medvedev could get conceivably better. I mean, he's, yeah. he continues to get better. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's gonna be very interesting to see Rafa come back, Fed come back, and then these other guys. Can Tsitsipas finally turn the corner? Will Zverev? He's won the gold medal. He's been in a Slam final. You know. Can Zverev turn the corner? I, you know, I think we could have some more slam winners. Team, you know, he had the bum wrist, you know, injury, yeah, that injury. struggling. So, team is a great player. You know, are we going to see him come back? I don't know. You know, um, I think there's a lot of question marks. I would say not the end of an era. Maybe the end of an era with the big three completely with the stranglehold. But right. I'd say Djokovic at a minimum will be in the running. Rafa at the French. And then Fed's got to have to recover, you know, to even have a chance. But I think the young guns will maybe have an opening at one or two slams instead of just one slam, maybe, you know. So we'll see. We need to see some young guys play well in Wimbledon, though. Grass, they're clearly not showing that the prowess. CT Pops has the game for it. I just haven't seen the results, really. So we'll see. Maybe he needs to spend some more time in the bathroom. Maybe that'll help. (laughs) Yeah. City pass. Yeah. So I think it's interesting, you know, the one, one really big point, this is not numbers related at all, but you know, I think Djokovic, he finally felt, I think he got, I think he did get the victory despite losing, you know, I think he felt the love of the crowd, whether it was mostly, you know, to see good tennis, more tennis, whether it was to see the grand slam, the calendar slam, which is kind of what I was thinking. So many celebs, so many people were there. You know, you could clearly tell there's a special energy in the stadium, you know, to see the history being made. Rod Laver was there. Didn't happen, of course, and the crowd was pulling for him to kind of come back. And that's kind of what Djokovic was meaning. He was choking up, and I was like, oh, maybe the pressure. But it was because he said he felt the love of the crowd, and, like, he never felt that way before. It did kind of seem like he was a Rafa or a Fed. And, you know, good for Djokovic. I do think crowd's a little bit hard on him sometimes. I'm not, a, not the biggest fan of him, but – you know, there's been a lot of love not given. He's got 20 slams too. And so I wonder if in some ways that's that's almost as good as winning a slam to him in some ways is what he was saying. And I wonder if maybe that's that's what he was looking for, you know, that chip on his shoulder for winning, you know, I can win no matter what. And when I hear the crowd say Roger, I hear him say Novak. I wonder honestly if some ways that will give him a release and not demotivate him, but just like when he won the original – uh, career slam, he was kind of like, I did everything I needed to do in the sport. And then he took him a while to refocus to win slams again. Uh, Cause I honestly think he did, didn't, did win at least a, a moral victory there. And in a lot of ways it touched him. So I'll be really interested to see how he is in Australia, but he is getting older. Um, but you could tell that meant a lot to him, even though he lost the crowd really felt for him. And that was kind of interesting to see. Cause I've, I've never seen a match go so pro Novak before ever you know so i thought that was very interesting no doubt yep um let's look at a couple quick numbers 
We've just been talking a lot about the narrative, which is always interesting. The last slam of the year. So I want to talk real quick, Matt. Numbers. So we were talking Medvedev served better. Honestly, though, the guys, they were pretty identical on first serve, you know, around the 80% points one on first serve, 80 and 81% for Medvedev. Pretty high number, especially for the hardcore. What The difference maker was the second serve points one. Medvedev won 58% to 40% for Novak. And in Australia, it kind of flipped around. Both guys were were not quite as good on first serve, 80%, but they were they were both pretty high. I think it was in the 70s. And Novak was the one that was destroying him on second serve points one. This one, Medvedev flipped the script. He was much, much better on it. Um, he was really able to kind of dictate. His second serve was big, though. That's kind of another thing that maybe a future episode we should talk about is hitting two first serves, right? Zverev's kind of gotten better at that. Medvedev in some games was doing that. He's going for some big first serve. He did have nine doubles, but he wasn't just going to give Novak a crushable serve. So I, and I, I would like to see some more data on that. You know, there's some more research and data done on, you know, teams that never punt on fourth down, a lot of high school teams, some college teams, and how it's actually a pretty successful strategy to go for it all the time. I wonder if serving there's, you know, there's got to be a balance maybe where it's, it pays off. Serve as good as Medvedev's. I mean, it's kind of a strategy. He didn't really want to give Novak easy returns. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, other numbers that stand out, of course, he won the winner to unforced battle. Um, air battle uh, plus seven for Medvedev 38 winners 31 on force to Novak's 27 winners 38 on force so pretty hard to get Novak to miss that much I think part of that's the fatigue part of that is Medvedev loves long rallies but whatever it was you know Djokovic was not as consistent and despite Novak playing better at the net you know wasn't able to hold off Medvedev he only won 17 percent of break points one Medvedev won four of eight, won fifty percent. So, yeah, that was kind of the moment of the match. Real quick, I'll talk about that. Where Medvedev in the second set was down low forty, he hit a bad drop shot. Novak was going to come up and crush it. You thought with his forehand, he instead slices it cross court. Medvedev's able to pick it up and hit it for a winner up the line. He finds two good serves and is able to basically kind of save all three break points and win that second. Um, or win that game in the second set. So I kind of felt that that was a turning point in the match. I thought Djokovic was totally going to bust it open right there and win the second set. Medvedev kept his cool, got a little lucky maybe, and was able to turn it around and not get broken. He really wasn't broken until the very end when he was trying to serve it out, but the crowd was being very pro Novak, very loud, very annoying. Um, yeah, it was a little bit sad to watch. Uh, but Medvedev still got it done. <laughs> he did say he was cramping at the end, so you're like, oh my gosh. Had you not served it out, could Novak have taken it five, you know, maybe. But, uh, yeah, kind of the numbers, that's kind of what I got. It was it was definitely decisive for him as far as the numbers. Um, he was definitely the better player. But then if you look at the serve factor, kind of combining first serve, second serve, points one, who was better, the differential was only a differential of 18, which definitely, you know, shows Medvedev should have won, but it's, that, that matches up closer to a four-setter that, um, that maybe is starting to get tight. I think 15 is our mark for a pretty tight four-setter. So he's lucky he didn't go four sets. Like I said, second set, I totally thought I was going to go four. But credit to Medvedev. He was mentally very strong, and he executed pretty well that day. So if you have anything on that, Matt, for the for the stats. No, no. Yeah, I think he covered all the all. – the... Yep. Uh, I thought it was interesting, too. IBM, they gave a – 
you know, Novak had the edge going in, but the likelihood to win was only 51% for Novak to 49% for Medvedev. And that's what I knew kind of going in. I'm like, they must have a lot of good data there because in past, you know, the Australian open slam, I don't think, I think Novak had a much greater odds to win there. I'm like, that's, that's pretty much a coin toss, you know? And we saw going in, you're like, all right, Medvedev is clearly showing he's good. Um, so what really, Matt, besides second serve, what was the difference in Australia? Because that match was a pretty lopsided one. What was one. the difference? I don't know. I'm trying to see to flip it out. I did, what, I, what I remember is, you know, that first set was a little bit, they went kind of back and forth. I think Medvedev, that one is, to me was more nerves. Like he got into it, was broken right away. He kind of tried to recover, but then he was always finding an uphill battle. Yeah. Um, the numbers show... You know, second serve percentage one is is yes. the difference there. That's the biggest one. Uh, quite a few second serve points that Medvedev couldn't get in the play or couldn't win. So that was a difference of fifty eight percent to thirty two. That's huge. Uh, receiving points one in general. Novak was his normal forty percent self, and Medvedev was only twenty nine percent. So he just didn't get a lot of returns back and in play. And Novak was kind of imperious. Medvedev honestly didn't really have a chance because he was kind of stomped on from to begin with, right? Kind of like Medvedev in this one, asserted himself so much that you're like, eh, it's going to be hard for Djokovic to come back. Even though he had some chances to come back, he just kind of, Medvedev slammed the door on him. And I felt like that was kind of this match in the in Australia. So if they meet again, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, Medvedev, you know, has beaten Djokovic a couple times before, but a slam is diff definitely difficult to take down Djokovic. So we'll see what happens for sure. Um, the Zverev match was also pretty good. That was the one I thought actually uh, Djokovic was going to lose. That one went five sets. I feel like their level was just, that's like a classic tennis match to me where, you know, you're kind of back and forth. No one's able to kind of get a, to get an edge. And, you know, it ended up going five. <laughs> he got a little destroyed in the fifth. I think Zverev was almost down 5-0 or was about to go down in a bagel. But the match up to that point was pretty high quality from both guys. Real quick, the numbers... Both guys had a lot of aces, 12 for Novak, 16 for Zverev. Zverev, similar to Medvedev, also had a high number of double faults, eight. Medvedev had nine. Uh, but really the difference maker um, looks like it was on. Well, actually, Zverev had a better second serve points one, 49% to 43. First serve points one were similar, 75 to 70, uh, 77. Novak had the higher one. I mean, this looks like a toss-up that you can pretty much – Get at Novak won 141 points total to 133 for Zverev, but bear in mind that Novak had kind of a blowout of fifth set. So <clears throat> I don't really know if there's much to glean from the numbers. They look pretty much identical there. Um, I didn't run the calculations to see what the surf factor would said. I would have said it would probably predict a five setter based on looking at them. They look very, very tight, but this one, they gave Novak a 56% chance to win before the match and 44% for Zverev. But yeah, it was definitely a fun match, big tennis, uh, kind of like the Olympics, but Zverev just wasn't quite as tight and Novak was definitely able to turn that one around. So it was very, very good in the fifth set. It was typical Novak tennis, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. Zverev, you know, was going for broke. I think Medvedev had a little bit more crack to the rallies and things, but Zverev was just hitting some huge shots. More my style of tennis, but obviously didn't get it done against Djokovic. But 
I don't know, Matt. Any other uh, things from the U.S. Open or things to look forward to? I think that's everything. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. To, I think. I mean, I know we already discussed this, but I think we are going to see the landscape change a lot in the coming year, year and a half. I think. Um, yeah, I don't see Fed playing past this next year. Probably not. I see him coming back and playing some tournaments to be able to say goodbye and peace and out. And Rafa, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how serious this injury was or how well he's going to be able to recover from it. So. I'm not sure. I feel like he'll be okay, but even if he is, you know, he's getting older too. I'm I'm sure yeah. there's he's always battling actually multiple injuries. I feel like so. I don't I don't know. And even Novak, you know, I feel like. You know, the time is ticking on him. I think it really took a toll this past, you know, couple months. Because yeah. before that, I'm like, oh, he's fine. 34, he's young. And then you see the Olympics and you see US Open. You're like, okay, he's actually maybe not as young of a 34-year-old as <laughs> he is. So, yeah. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. One, one other thing I'm interested to see. So, I know with due to the pandemic, they're not doing the Asian swing this year. They're not going to Shanghai or Beijing or any of those. So they're doing Indian Wells. San Diego has a tournament going on right now, actually, in Chicago, and they're playing big tennis. Obviously, had the normal Labor, Labor Cup that Federer started. So interesting to see the tennis here in the States. Um, we'll see who can who can play well and then make it to the, the ATP Finals this year. Again, ATP Finals, no one's defended that title in a very long time yeah. either. Medvedev's the reigning champ. Uh, but I think Tsitsipas won it the year before that, and then team the year before mm -hmm. that, I believe. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it's going to be – I'm going to be excited to watch that one, even if Joke even doesn't show up. I mean, you'll see who's the top out of those guys. You could see Zverev win it. You could see team come back. I don't know. You know, it could be a very interesting battle. So Yeah, absolutely. Still tennis to watch, but obviously we the slams are the most fun. So Maybe the big three should just make a pact to all retire at once. Then we can 20 all. just all be at 20. Nobody uh, has to. Nobody has to be mad that they, some other player got twenty one. I know, seriously. Yeah, it's been crazy, man. What a good era of tennis, but it's exciting to see the new blood come in. I think we'll see that. So, well, with that, as always, visit us at cognitionsphere.com. Theme music today is brought to us by Ben MacLeod with excerpts from his song "Cool Rock," and then share our podcast with a friend who loves tennis. And take a minute and we'll write a review if you're enjoying this, uh, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. And thanks. Until next time, we will see you on the court. <laughs>